if I haven't met you, my name is Brett, like Adam said. My last name is Corton. There you go. Um, so remember that. It gets mispronounced my entire life. Try to spell it, and you're going to be even more off. So, um, but I'm excited to be here with y'all. Um, I, was, I think I was last here in August, and since then, a lot of things have changed in my life. Um, one, I moved um, to like three blocks down, which was really cool. Um, but another one, which I guess this is kind of important, I got married two months ago, just about two months ago. Here's a little picture. It's kind of small. This is really just my chance to show off how good Taylor looked. Um, and she made that dress. Just want to embarrass her. She hates me right now for saying that. But yeah, she did. She is amazing. And so that has changed. Um, it's been an exciting time. It's going to be two months on Thursday. But I am so excited to be here with you guys tonight as we talk about calling. Um, before we get into that, you should know I work here with our student ministry. And I've been doing that for just about seven years. Where are our student leaders? Uh, I see a lot of them are back in the corner. Got some over here. And, you know, I actually, I think I'm just going to cut this talk short, and I'm going to tell you, you're calling right now. I'm just going to tell you, you're calling in this very moment. God just spoke to me, and I think I know it. Uh, Katrina, you might want to just start pad the keys, you know, get it real emotional in here. Your calling is to serve with students. Yes, pour into the next generation. Okay, maybe not, but um, really, if you're ever interested in doing that, come talk to me. We have such an incredible team. Our team at Menlo Church, our hope is that we're an intergenerational church where people of all generations come to know God together. And we have such an awesome team who makes that happen every week. And I'm just so grateful for them. And so thank you to them. Thank you to, like I saw Trey, you're doing Young Life. You're doing youth ministry, not in the church, but in the community. That's so awesome. All y'all who are working with students, thank you so much. Um, we need you. And so I'll get off my soapbox there. Um, like Adam said, today we are continuing our series called Revive. Um, in which we're hitting these different topics to talk about how do we bring new life to these different areas. And last week, Adam shared with us about what does it mean to revive our purpose. And if you, have, if you weren't here last week, I highly encourage you to go back and check out Adam's sermon. It was fantastic as he talked about like our purpose in life is to bring glory to God, to love God, and to love others. And today, we're moving, like, taking it the next step. It's kind of like we're taking a magnifying glass to this idea of purpose to answer the question, what is my calling in life? What is my calling? And how many of you in here have ever asked the question, what is my purpose in life? <laughs> yeah, most of us. God, what do you want me to do? But here's the thing about calling. Calling within the church is oftentimes an extremely loaded word. It's a word that brings a lot of pressure because we oftentimes talk about it as, so, as though it's just some sort of like mystery that we need to discover, this confusing thing that we need to unravel. Or else we talk about it as though it's the one specific thing that you need to be doing with your life. And if you end up not finding what that one thing is, then your life is a waste and you've missed out. Sorry, you've missed the boat. You missed your calling. And so oftentimes this idea of calling becomes something that provides or creates so much pressure in our lives instead of releasing us into this freedom and this excitement of this life that God invites us to be a part of. And so tonight, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about this core question, what am I supposed to do with my life? What is my calling? You know, this question, it answers one of um, three of the core questions that every single person in here 
is asking throughout their life. The first one is this, who am I? And that's the question of trying to figure out um, sort of my identity. The second question we oftentimes ask is, where do I belong? Where is my community? Where can I find a place where I'm known and loved? And the final one, which goes with the calling, is this, why do I matter? How do I make a difference in the world? It's about living a life of meaning. Every single person wants to have a life that makes a difference. You know, I bet sitting in this room right now, we have people who are asking this question. I bet we have some college students right now who see graduation just around the corner, and you're asking yourself, okay, graduation's coming. What's next? Where am I supposed to go after this? Some of you might be in here, and you've been working at your same job for like two years, which is a long time in the tech world, and you're wondering, is this really all that my life was made for? Is there something else that God might be calling me to? Some of you, uh, you might have a few different options in front of you. Maybe you've been looking at jobs, and you're trying to decide which one is the right choice. Where does God actually want me to be? Because you're afraid of making the wrong choice in your life, not being how God wanted it to be. But I also know there are some people in here who you are living in your calling. Like you are thriving, you are alive, and I think that is so awesome. And so I hope tonight as you hear this, that as you hear what God has to say, that um, God just sort of ignites a new fire in you as you step out and as you live into his calling. And so instead of wasting any more time, we're going to jump right in. And I want to start and just say the first step in discerning our calling in life is simply this, to ask the question, what story am I living? In every single person in here, we all want to have a story that matters. Because a good story engages people. A good story makes people excited about living. A good story invites people into something bigger than themselves. And who doesn't love a good story? In Avengers Endgame, how many of y'all have seen that in here? There's a reason why this movie has been out for just over a week, and it is already the second highest grossing movie of all time. Because over the last 10 years, Marvel has been telling this huge story, bringing in characters and all different things, and people couldn't wait to get to the theater. And at the end, when Wolverine jumps in and saves the day, <laughs> kidding, that's, that doesn't actually happen. I would never spoil this. I'm not a monster. But there's something awesome about this story, and we just want to sit in and listen because they've done so well at crafting this thing. We all want to have a story like that. We all want to have a calling like that. We want to have a calling like Frodo, who takes the ring and finds his purpose in taking it to Mordor. Or somebody like Katniss, when she becomes the face of the resistance. Or a real-life example, somebody like Martin Luther King, who has a life of purpose and calling, and the world has changed as a result. We all want to live a life like that, to have a calling like that. But what if I told you that you already have a calling like that? What if there already is a story that you're a part of that is bigger than anything that you could have ever imagined? But the catch is that this story isn't actually your story at all. And instead of asking, what story am I living? We need to be asking, whose story am I living? And that story is found here in the Bible. Wow, a pastor's talking about the Bible. Um, but it's found here. And before you like pause, I'm not going to tell you, you know, find that random verse that's going to tell you your calling because, you know, we've all done it. It's like, okay, here, 
what does God want me to do? To speak to Judah's governor, Zerubbabel. So there we go. No, <laughs> what I mean when I say that we find our story in here is we believe here at Menlo Church that the Bible is God's story for us. It's ultimately this big story of the way that God is interacting with our world and telling the story that he is writing here and that we get to be a part of that. And see, I believe that when we understand the story that God is telling or the story that God is writing, that we discover this calling that is unlike anything we have ever experienced. And so I'm going to do a quick overview, a Cliff Notes overview version of the Bible. If you've been part of the church for a while, you probably heard this. Um, I encourage you not to zone out. Um, maybe you will hear something that you haven't heard before. If you're new, this is a chance to learn what the Bible's all about, because you probably heard some crazy things about it, and you're kind of wondering, man, what is this? And so the story of the Bible begins with what we call its four parts, creation. Right at the very beginning, God creates the world. God creates this incredible place where humanity, man um, and women and God and creation all living together in harmony, loving one another, enjoying life together, living together, creation the way that life was supposed to be. But of course, that didn't last very long. Out of the 1,189 chapters, if there were that many in the Bible, um, we do this well for about two and a half of them. So humanity, you know, we killed it. Like, way to go. So it moves quickly into the next part of the story, which is simply this, creation destroyed. We had creation, and then we had creation destroyed. And whether you grew up in the church or not, you've probably heard some version of this, how God created Adam and Eve, and he told them, eat from any fruit in the garden. He gave them this life and this offer to live life with him, to enjoy life. But then he also said, don't eat from this tree. You can have everything you ever wanted except for this one tree. And in the words of the knight from Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade, they chose poorly. And as a result, sin entered into the world. There's a pastor and a the, uh, youth pastor guy, Duffy Robbins, who describes, it as, describes this moment as being the time in the story where it goes from God saying, let us be, meaning let us live together, let us enjoy life together, to leave us be, where people say, God, I don't want what you have for me. I just want to live my own life. It goes from let us be to leave us be. And God lets them do that. Sin enters into the world. Separation is created between God and humans and God and his creation. And over the next few chapters of the Old Testament, we read about how the world just gets worse and worse and worse and honestly begins to look a lot like the world that we have today. Now, if this story were a movie, we'd be moving into this long now montage that we call redemption. And see, re or the re restoration process, sorry, I messed that up, the other R word, restoration. And in restoration, this is the part where God looks out at his creation. He sees the brokenness and the pain that people are experiencing. And he says, I'm not okay with that. I love these people so much that I need to start doing something to make a difference. I need to start changing this. And he takes this man, Abram, who later becomes Abraham, and he goes to him and he says this in Genesis 12. He says, leave your land, leave your family and your father's household for the land that I will show you. And I will make, you, make of you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name respected and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and those who curse you, I will curse. 
and all of the families of the earth will be blessed because of you. God says to Abraham, leave your home, leave everything, and just go. Go to where I'm showing you. Now, how's that for a vague calling? Like, God, what do you want me to do? Just go. Cool. Okay, where do you want? No, just go. But what does he do? Abraham goes. And over the next chapter, throughout the rest of the Hebrew scriptures, we read about people who are his descendants or other people that God invites into the story, like Jacob and Moses and Ruth and David, Solomon, Esther, all these people over the next 2,000 years who God brings into the story that he is writing. As slowly God begins to restore little pieces of it, begins to reveal little parts of who he is to the world. But then at the end of the 2,000 years, we get to this point where everybody is awaiting everything to be back the way it was. But instead, at the end of the Hebrew scriptures, instead of God's glory being shown everywhere, we find the nation of Israel sitting in exile under foreign rule, wondering, did we get this wrong? You gave us this call, but why are we sitting here? And have you ever asked that question? God, why is my life like this? I thought I was following what you've told me to do. Why is my life like this? Could it be any worse? And those are the questions that the Israelites were likely asking. But you see, what the Israelites didn't realize is that the story that they were living was not their own. The story that they were living was actually not about them. It wasn't about Abraham. It wasn't about Moses. It wasn't about David. The story that they were a part of was the story of what God was doing in this world, and God had something even better in store for them and for all of creation. And so we move into the New Testament, and in the opening verses of John, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then it says, The Word, who is Jesus, made his home, made his dwelling among us. You see, God had bigger plans for it because God was about to step into the story and take this restoration process into overdrive. And as Jesus entered into the world, his first message to the people was repent for the kingdom of God is here. With that, what he's actually saying, he's telling the people, turn around, turn away from this way of life where you've chosen to live for yourself to say, leave us be, come back to God because God's kingdom is coming and you want to be a part of it. There's a new way of life that is here, and you don't want to miss out. And as Jesus went around the world, he healed, or around Israel, he healed. He taught people about what life in this kingdom was like. He showed people how to love. He went to those people who were outcasts and said, you belong. He went to those people that the church rejected, and he said, sit with me. Come with me. Follow me. He showed the people a different world and a different life. But ultimately, as you've probably heard, uh, Jesus died on a cross. And I think Paul said it well in 2 Corinthians 5 when he writes this. He said, And Jesus died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died, for the, who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... That person is a new creation. The old has come, 
or the old is gone, the new is here. Do you catch what Paul is doing right there in that passage? He's bringing people back to the beginning of that story. He's bringing people back to the garden to, to let them know that life is different now. The creation is here. The creation has come in Jesus. And when you give your life to him, you get to be a part of this. And this brings us to the next part and the final part of the story of Scripture, which is simply this. It's renewal, which happens at the very end of the Bible in Revelation when we get a little glimpse of the world that is to come, when God's kingdom fully makes itself known here on this earth. We have creation, creation destroyed, restoration, renewal. Now, you may be wondering, okay, Brett, I thought we were talking about calling. What on earth does all of that have to do with any of this? Well, I think everything. You see, while we talked about those different parts, so if we have creation over here, then we had creation destroyed right here, we have restoration right here, and then renewal over here, right now in history, where we are is not right here. Right now where we are is about right here. Jesus came, Jesus did his thing, and then his first words or his last words to his disciples was this. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Jesus' final message to his disciples was their calling. Jesus was saying, I have done all this stuff for you, and now it's your turn. Now it's your turn to go. I've showed you what life in my kingdom is like, but now it's up to you. Go into all the world. You see, at the very core of this question, what is our calling, is this invitation from Jesus to be part of what he started with his death and resurrection on the cross. At the very core of our calling is this invitation to be a disciple, to be part of what God is doing here in bringing restoration and healing back to this world. So whose story are you living? Once we think about that, once we realize that, the next question becomes, what does Jesus mean when he says to be a disciple? And I'll tell you, sometimes in the church, we get this idea of what it means to be a disciple kind of wrong, I think. Sometimes we think that if we're going to be a disciple, what this means is I need to quit my job. I need to leave everything I'm doing, and I need to just give my life to full-time ministry. And I think in that, we couldn't be further from the truth, although we are hiring here, and I would encourage you to check that out. Um, no, Dallas Willard says this about being a disciple. He says, to be a disciple of Jesus is crucially to be learning from Jesus how to do your job as Jesus himself would, would do it if he were I. I am learning from Jesus to live my life as he would live my life if he were I. See, the call to be a disciple is to live every single moment of your life as though Jesus were you, as though Jesus were in your shoes. And I think there's a very important thing to notice here. Being a disciple doesn't mean living every single moment as though you were Jesus. Dallas Willard says somebody else, we already said somewhere later in that, he says, we've already had Jesus. 
We don't need Jesus. What we need is people who Jesus has made alive through their gifts, and he's made them more of who they are. Jesus invites us to do this. And here's why this is important. Here, I'll show you up. This is a picture of my family that is stolen from my sister's uh, Instagram account. Um, So that's my older brother, Jonathan. There's me, my sister, and my younger brother. My family, if you were with us, you could tell we're family. We We share a lot of similar traits, a lot of similar characteristics. But each one of us is also very unique. My older brother on the far side, he is a very high achiever. He is very smart. He's very detailed. And it's perfect for his life in the medical field. My sister, she has always had a heart and a passion for the inner city. And she loves to teach. That makes her come alive. And it's perfect for her job as a middle school teacher in Atlanta. And then my younger brother, who's actually the tallest one of us all, um, he loves to solve problems. He loves to see how things work and to figure out how to make it work. And it's perfect for his job in business. And then me, I still play Pokemon Go. Like, and that's, so that's great for a life in youth ministry. Um, see, God has made each one of us unique, given each one of us gifts and talents. And Jesus doesn't call us to be somebody else. Jesus doesn't want me to be my brother. I would fail miserably about that. What Jesus wants me to be is to be the best version of myself, to take the gifts that God has given me and to use them to the great, to, as my, the greatest of my ability, to invite him into that and make, let him make me come alive. You see, our call is to live our lives as though Jesus were in our shoes. If you're a student, what does it look like to go to class as though Jesus were in your shoes? If you're in advertisement, what does it look like to go to your office as though Jesus were in advertisement? If you work at a lab, what does it look like to perform experiments as though Jesus was the one performing those experiments? What does it look like to make the kingdom of God present where God has you right now at this moment in your life? See, no matter what you do, always ask, how do I do this? How do I use my gifts and my passions to make God's kingdom a reality right here and right now. And now here's the best part about this. You don't actually have to know what your ultimate calling in life is to be able to do this. All it takes is every single day waking up and saying, God, I want to live today as though you were in my shoes. Help me see how I do that today at my job. And you do it. See, this is the next level of calling. When we know God's story, we know his invitation to us to be his disciple, the next part about it is learning who has God actually created us to be. Parker Palmer wrote an incredible book called Let Your Life Speak, and I highly recommend it to anybody in here who's trying to figure out their calling. And he says this in that. He says, as noble as that may sound, we do not find our calling by conforming ourselves to some abstract moral code. We find our calling by claiming authentic selfhood, by being who we are. The deepest vocational question is not what ought I do with my life, but instead it's the more elemental and more demanding, who am I? What is my nature? What makes you come alive? What makes you tick? How has God uniquely gifted you? 
You see, answering these questions can help us come to understand the ways in which God has uniquely made us to live out our calling within the midst of his story. And when we learn more about who we are, we discover more ways that God is going to use us and wants to use us in the world. And we can find that in many different ways. There are personality tests, like the Enneagram. Where are my nines at? Do we have any nines in here? Yeah, we got a few. There's one. The other ones don't want to disrupt the crowd, and so they're not clapping. Um, we, you have the Myers-Briggs. You have uh, strength tests, tests like strength finders or spiritual gifts tests that can help you learn more about who you are, learn more about how God has wired you. Another way that we do this is by having people in our lives who are willing to speak truth into us. Like, it is so important to have somebody in your life who's not afraid to say, you don't like kids, don't be a first grade teacher. Not a good idea. Or somebody who says, you know, you love people. You love being in people's lives and you care deeply about health. You should check out going into the medical field. You should check out being a nurse. Who are the people in your life who can speak that truth into your life? And if you don't have one, I encourage you, join a life group. One of the reasons why we have life group is so that we can actually do life together, so we can figure out what this life is that God invites us to be a part of. And you can have a close group of people to do that with you. And another way that we do this is by simply listening to God's voice, listening to God tell us who we are or point us to the ways that he might be using us or speaking to us. You know, when you look at Jesus's life, there are often times where Jesus goes off by himself to be with God. And sometimes we may ask, why on earth do, does he do that? I think the reason is because when he goes away, he's reconnecting to the voice that says to him, you are my son with whom I'm well pleased. You see, when we take time to stop and to listen to God, we begin to hear God's voice. We open ourselves up to hear God's voice speaking into us, reminding us of who we are and who he created us to be. Create space in your life to be still with God. That may sound impossible, but some ways that you could do this is on your way to work, simply turn off the radio and just drive in silence. It could be that you wake up 30 minutes earlier every morning to just sit and be still with God over a cup of coffee. Or it could be something as simple as taking a five-minute walk every day and just using that as a time to pray and connect with God. Create space to be still, and to listen to God wherever you are. And now finally, we discover our calling by making a commitment to, faithfully, to be faithful to what God has given us right here, right now, and to go with God in the process. Because let's be honest, we can know God's story, we can try every day to be a disciple, we can take every personality test known to humanity, but we still may be no closer to discovering what is that one thing that God wants us to do. And that's okay. If you go back to the story of Abraham, what was the thing that God said to Abraham? He said, go. Go to the place that I'm going to show you. He didn't give him any specifics. He didn't say, you're going to do this exact thing. He said, go, and when you do, all nations of the world are going to be blessed. You know, I think God intentionally left that calling vague because by doing that, he's inviting Abraham to trust him. He's inviting Abraham to enter deeper into this relationship with God and to, and every step that Abraham took, 
God used that to teach him more about who God was. Use it to teach Abraham more about who Abraham was. Use it to grow Abraham's faith like never before. Every single moment of every single day is a chance for us to take that step, to trust God, and to see where it is that he is, he is leading us. In his book, All the Places to Go, John Orberg says this about that calling, about taking that step. He says, faith isn't about getting what I want out of my outer world. Instead, it's about God getting, out, getting what he wants in my inner world. Faith isn't about getting what I want in my outer world. It's about God getting what he wants in my inner world. And when we approach our calling with this mindset, we see every single moment of every single day as an opportunity for God to help us grow. You know, sometimes God is going to make your calling abundantly clear. And that is awesome. God does that throughout the Bible with different people, but sometimes God isn't going to make that clear. But what he is going to do, he's going to invite you to trust him today. He's going to invite you to trust him as you go to your work tomorrow. He's going to invite you to take what you have at this moment and to trust him as he says, go. And as you do, God is going to use that to grow you, to develop you, to change you into the person that he created you to be. You know, as I was thinking about this message, I was thinking about my calling, kind of thinking about what was it that actually brought me here and why I was led to Menlo. Menlo. Um, Because, you know, when I was back in college, the option of going into ministry was nowhere on my radar. I went to college and I majored in psychology. But I didn't major in psychology because I actually like psychology. I majored in psychology because I went to college to swim. And in order to continue competing, I had to declare a major. And so I majored in psychology so that I could continue my calling, what I thought, to swim. And so I did that. And throughout my college career, I kept on trying to find what is that major, what is that class that makes me come alive, and I never found it. But one thing that God was telling me that entire time was, Brett, I have you on this swim team for a reason. Trust me with that. Love them every single day. And so I tried to do that. I tried to trust God with that. And, you know, I can look back on that and see that when God invited me into that, he used that to change me in ways that I could have never imagined. You know, fast forward um, a few months later, as I was approaching graduation, I still didn't know what I was going to do with my life. But as I was trying to discern that, I, God was saying, you know, Brett, why don't you check out this ministry, Young Life? Because Young Life played an important role in my life. So I thought, you know, maybe I'll just volunteer with that. And through leading a weird group of guys, I discovered that God has given me a heart and a passion for entering into the lives of students. Stepping into these things that God put before me helped me discover who it was that God created me to be and showed me this new life that was greater than anything that I could have ever imagined. Now, fast forward six more years. I finished seminary, or maybe it's like three years. I finished seminary, and I'm sitting in Southern California wondering, okay, I have this job from Menlo, and I have this other job from this other church. How on earth am I supposed to discern what is the right choice? God, where are you calling me to go in this? 
And as I was thinking about this, I was asking those what ifs. What if I make the wrong choice? What if I go to this church, but actually God wanted me there, and so I go here and my life just falls apart? What if there's a third option that I don't even know about yet? And then one night I was grabbing coffee with, or grabbing ice cream with a friend, and while we were eating it, I was telling him about all this that was going on in my mind, and he stopped me and he said, Brett, you need to relax. <laughs> like, chill. God has given you two incredible options. And what he's asking you to do right now is simply go with him. Whichever choice you make, go with God. And when you do, God is going to have an adventure awaiting for you. And so I did. I came to Menlo. And I'm not going to stand up here and say that everything has been perfect, and I've never wondered what if I would have chosen that other church. But every time that comes up, I begin to realize all the ways that simply stepping into that and going with God has helped me grow into who he created me to, meet, me to be, helped me meet people who have changed my life, helped me experience things that I never would have experienced if I just stayed there or went to the other church, helped me meet my wife, which was incredible, is incredible. Like all these things, simply by taking the step and trusting God and saying, God, I'm gonna go with you. See, that's our invitation today. When we try to discern our calling, try to figure out what it is that God is wanting us to do, I believe that God is simply standing there saying, go with me, follow me. And if you do, there is an adventure awaiting you. So tonight, as we wrap up, I just want to ask you, what is God calling you to today? No matter what you are discerning, or no matter whether or not you are discerning your calling or you're trying to figure out an answer to where does God want me to go, Jesus is inviting you to be a part of the story that he is writing in this world. He is inviting you to give every moment of every day over to him. He's inviting you to let him take those parts of you that are so uniquely you and to make them beautiful. You see, your career is not your calling. The job that you're doing right now is not your calling. Your major is not your calling. But your calling has the ability to transform those things and make them incredible. What is God calling you to do today? And my prayer is that as you leave tonight, as you wake up tomorrow morning, as you go to work in a week, as you change your job seven times in the next three years, go with God. And if you do, he is gonna begin to write a new story an incredible story in you. You guys pray with me. God, we love you. Man, God, just thinking about um, all the things that you've done, just thinking about who you are, about the life that you invite us into, God, I get excited. Um, God, I love the fact that we have a God who says, you know, I want you to be part of my story, who says you are bigger than anything you could have ever imagined who says you may not change the world and that's okay because I'm the one changing the world. God, help us to know that in our lives. God, I pray for anybody in here who's trying to discern where it is that you are leading them. 
And I pray that you give them the courage and the trust in you to just take that step today and to follow where it is that you are leading them. God, we love you. In your name, amen.